T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. We paid a big voice guy to say Saturday suckage. We must be legit. Welcome and welcome back. I am Steve Rosenblum. This is Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to. And we are going back to the Scores Hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Welcoming back to the show, Rick Camp. He is the executive producer of The Bernstein Show. He does Bulls radio post game. He's the host. Uh, the NBA player props on four for, at four for four football, and most importantly, the I'm Fat podcast, which we will get to at the end because we always get to that at the end. There are two game sevens today in the NBA, so I don't know what what food product, Rick, does this compare to when you have two game two NBA game sevens? Name a food product, a dish, a menu offering. Where is this in your hierarchy, in your ranking? I mean, NBA Game 7s is probably when I'm craving barbecue and I'm able to get exactly what I want. Like, the place that I want, the food item that I want at about, you know, like, peak freshness. I mean, NBA NBA Game 7s are so hard to top. I don't care what round of the playoffs it is especially with the two series that are going there that have one's been really close in basically every game. One seems like it's been a blowout and just alternating with whoever's at home, but man, the star power in these series and how good the quality of play has been overall. Like that's like being able to get the hot link, the brisket, the Mac and cheese, the cornbread, all of it together. You're ordering the entire menu, and it's being brought in and presented before you before tip-off. Is that how this works? Yeah, Yeah, you're damn right. (laughs) All right. So, in watching this, the the and it may be a a um, trite thing to do, but it's the only way I can do it, and it makes sense because when you watch the Bucks and Celtics, they're about to play Game Seven. The Heat didn't need that. And they are, they dispatched the 76ers and Jimmy Butler had a goodbye wave for Sixers fans. And you watch this against the backdrop of how do you see the Bulls doing anything against these teams? I always watch a playoff series this way because that's, that team has to get through this bunch in the East. And what does it look like to you? What has anything been unearthed or have things just simply been underscored for you that the Bulls need to address, and what are they? I think it's more of just 
seeing how far away the Bulls are from these teams because even if like, and I, this is part of the reason I was less high on the moves the Bulls made coming into the season anyway in terms of your big picture moves of the the sign and trade for DeRozan, which mind you, I was wrong about. He's been he was incredible this year, uh, more often than not. And the sign and trade for or the trade for Vooch because you're raising your floor for sure to be a team that at a bare minimum is going to be in the play-in. But you're also capping your ceiling because those are one-way players. So really, the Bulls need if if we're talking get to the conference finals, get to the finals, have a chance to win the whole damn thing. I don't think that can happen with this group as currently constructed. So it's, but that also just kind of confirms what I've thought. And what they need is they need shooting. They need two-way players. Because you look at everybody on the Celtics that plays, all basically seven dudes that are part of their primary rotation. Now, they're an extreme example, but they are all two-way guys. They're all plus defenders. So when Grant Williams gets in foul trouble early because, you know, he's trying to guard Giannis all the time, they're able to bring in a guy like Derek White and play a little bit smaller and kind of change their their offensive identity a smidge, but then still keep up the level of defense. With the Bulls, you're you're picking and choosing what you're trying to do based on the personnel you have out there. And that's also part of the reason that I like whoever wins this Boston-Milwaukee series over Miami is because Miami just has too many one-way guys that are easily uh, huntable in the playoffs. So the Bulls are almost like a much lesser version of, of what the Heat are, just more of like an offensive uh, an offensive skewed version. Talking with Rick Camp, he hosts the uh, Bulls postgame show here on Score, among other things that he does. I watch what's going on in the Miami, the Milwaukee series when they weren't really – they didn't even want to be the Bucks, and then they decided, okay, we have to do this, and Boston's waiting. I become less and less enthused with Vooch. I don't think, I don't know. There's no rim protection. There's not either. They're not using him right, or he's not. He's just so. When you're the guy, the other team picks out to run the pick and roll. When you're that target, and your team includes Zach Levine and Demar Derozan, the one-way guys you're talking about how bad you must be. I don't know how the Bulls fix that, hide that, deodorize it. Can you help me at all? Or am I looking at this wrong? The way they did it early in the year was by having elite perimeter defense, and that was Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. And the only flaw with that is that Lonzo Ball just misses a good amount of time every season. When when it's been 82-game seasons, He's, I think the most games he's played is like 60, like low 60s in the, in the number of games played. So he's just a guy that has issues staying healthy. And then with Alex Caruso, I don't know that his body by nature lends him to getting hurt, but it's more his style of play lends him to getting hurt more often. And with the type of role he has to play on the Bulls, where he's guarding guys that are significantly bigger than him a lot of the time because he's one of the defensive guys that they have, you know, that's just something where he's going to get hurt more. And the thing is with Vooch, he's never really been a good rim protector. It's just that, especially when he was in Orlando, they had a good defensive ecosystem around him where I know everybody forgets that he exists because he hasn't played in a couple of years because of injuries. But Jonathan Isaac was a 
really, really good weak side rim protector for Orlando that allowed Vooch to basically be more of a positional defender. They also had some solid defensive guards that, that at least deterred the ball handler a little bit more, so it made it more difficult for him when he got to Vooch. So that's that part of it is what the Bulls were able to do early in the season before people started getting hurt or getting COVID. But being able to bank on that, it's such a narrow needle to thread for the Bulls to have that level of success because you're also being like, well, you need this guy on the court and this guy on the court and these guys on the court. It's like you need six or seven guys on the court at a time to be able to just match skill sets so that you're covering up everybody's weaknesses with the, uh, someone else's strengths. So it's just one of those things where, like I mentioned, you kind of have to pick your poison in certain lineups of what you're willing to give up. That's kind of what it is. So especially with, you know, with a center that doesn't have that much athletic ability or defensive ability, yeah, it definitely makes it more difficult to have a representable defense. We're talking with Rick Camp here on The Score, Saturday Suckage. Uh, Rick, talk, Rick hosts the Bulls postgame show here on this very radio station. So it sounds like I, I do you have a big move in mind? Do you do you, because it sounds like they're they're going to pay Zach Levine. He's going to get past. He won't lose any athleticism by whatever knee procedure he's got to have. They're going to welcome back whatever part of Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball they can get, whatever portion of the season. And they're just going to have to try to outscore people because they can't do anything else. And that's where you go unless you think, you know. Karnashovas and and Mark Eversley have some major trick up their sleeve. I think it's I, I'm taking Karnashovas at his word of this may be the first time that they go towards continuity because now this roster's turned over to the point where it's people that were brought in under his vision and he keeps mentioning, you know, didn't have enough time with everybody together and they at least want to run it back with the main group of guys and they'll try and make some improvements around the edges. So in terms of big trade where let's say it was Vooch going out or Levine sign in trade or DeRozan going out or something, I don't see any of those guys going anywhere. I just don't. I I've heard some people say, Hey, you know, basically go the other extreme and go get Rudy Gobert. But one thing that I'm always worried about is how much you're spending on the center position. Because if there's one position in the NBA that if you're just thinking in terms of roster building can be kind of, kind of fungible it's center and you don't want to have a truly bad center out there but if you can get by with a guy of like a mid-level exception that is a perfectly acceptable starting center then you can survive like that and the bulls like to play some smaller lineups as well so i it's just i want them to allocate their resources more towards the wing and i don't know if that's more of a you know, turning around the ship where it takes a bit of time to be able to do that. But wings are so much more important for overall ceiling than centers that guards and wings have to be where a majority of your money goes. I mean, look, Boston's a perfect example. They have refused to invest in centers. Like they let Al Horford walk so that they could keep bringing, and obviously they have Tatum and Brown. But then they bring in a guy that's kind of between a wing and a big like a Grant Williams. And Robert Williams is just a guy they developed as a center. And he got a decent contract extension, but he's a young dude that has some big upside for them. And he's making significantly less than what Gooch is making as an example. And so it's just one of those things where you can kind of make the center thing happen without having to spend 
forty million a year on Rudy Gobert, who's so limited offensively, even if he is the best defensive player in the league. So what surprised you and or frustrated you about Billy Donovan? What did you learn about him that you may or may not have been happy with coaching through a year like this, a season like this? Overall, I was fairly happy with his rotations because the what I had, you know, from just watching the Thunder and then hearing from other people around the league is really good in the locker room at kind of keeping everything upbeat. But when it came to X's and O's tactically, he's fine, but he's not going to like win you anything with a necessarily with like an out of bounds play or something like that. So I was, I was pleased with the rotations overall because there were certain stretches of time where it was just who he had available and he was just trying to make chicken salad out of what they had. And it's really the only time I can endorse salad, but you know, it's an extreme (laughs) circumstance, but you know, I I think he did okay deploying what he had at given times, but in terms of, are they doing anything earth shattering to really get certain guys, the ball to get guys involved? Not particularly. He's pretty much what I had heard. He was coming in. You'll really like him. He's a, He's great in terms of talking with the media and, you know, giving us stuff to be able to look for. But if you're looking for, you know, Eric Spolstra, tactician, that type of thing, that's not necessarily his gig. All right, Rick, before we let you go, as one of the uh, one of the giants of the I'm Fat podcast, I wanted to ask you about some giant food I saw on the web. Are you familiar with Lulu's, the bakery and cafe in San Antonio? I've heard of it, but I don't know anything about it. All right. Well, one thing you should know about it, one of the items they offer is a three-pound cinnamon roll. Oh. Three pounds with icing on it. To give you an idea, it it would be like not... You know, it would challenge the size of Jay Zawoski's head. Oh, that's a, that's a, he's like kind of in that Kevin Mensch territory of head. That's, that's significant. I, I, that's something that I, I'm sure Jay and I would love to uh, have the opportunity to try and take down. And mind you, we would see who could take theirs down first. We definitely wouldn't be splitting it. All right. Well, then you would have, that would be the hors d'oeuvre, the, the other offering that caught my eye at Lulu's in San Antonio, by the way, was the 21-ounce chicken fried steak with gravy and fries so big it had to be served on a pizza tray, pizza pan. 21-ounce chicken fried steak. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, he says. Chicken fried steak is good. This is just larger amounts of things that are good. So, yes, larger amounts, always good. Things that are good, also good. Also so I'm good. not gonna I'm not gonna overthink this. And maybe this is why in San Antonio, Charles Barkley always has the uh, he gives out the reputation of the people of San Antonio. That is, but also because their food is so they have so much food there that people just you know a meal is so much more that people are naturally larger. Right, and Charles Barkley doesn't get cheated on that at all either. So right, well, that's why it's a river walk and not a river run. <laughs> nicely played rick thanks for your time today i appreciate it thanks for joining uh, us good to talk to you, Rosie. you too rick camp 
He is a host of the Bulls post-game show here on The Score, and he's part of the I'm Fat podcast, and he's executive producer of the Bernstein Show. So he eats to forget. You can see that. And can you imagine? Three-pound cinnamon roll. It's hot. It's covered in all that wonderful icing, and a three-pound cinnamon roll. That's wow. That's a thing. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back on Saturday Suckage, I, I have something I want to play for you. I'm, uh, I have several things I want to play for you. Movies in real life this week that, that rang true and rang a bit of history. But what we're going to come back with first, 40 years ago today, former Dodgers manager Tommy Lasorda was asked what he thought of Dave Kingman's performance. You want to hear it. Again, no matter how many times you've heard it, like the Eli Elia tape, you'll want to hear Tommy Lasorda answer the question, what did you think of Dave Kingman's performance? I'm Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Wow, big voice guy saying Saturday Suckage. True, we're on the radio. We suck so you don't have to here on Saturday Suckage. Thank you for listening. This is uh, we're leading up to Ryan Horvitt of Bet MGM, and we are going to talk to him to see if the schedule release, which is all about <clears throat> to see if there's any money to value there, if you're looking at it, you know, not doing win loss, win loss. The Bears are going to go 20 and 0 and win the Super Bowl, but Looking at the schedule, NFL schedule, are, is there any value? Could you make money off this? Because like it seems stupid to do this at this point. But when people are talking money, how do the people with money look at it? But before we get to that, I wanted to get to this. A 14th, this is the 42nd anniversary of Dave Kingman hitting three home runs for the Cubs against the Dodgers. And... Dodger manager Tommy Lasorda being asked by radio reporter Paul Olden a question that you'll hear at the start of this, leading to one of the most wonderful sound bites in sports history. So I just want you to sit back and enjoy Tommy Lasorda's answer. What's your opinion of Kingman's performance? What's my opinion of Kingman's performance? What the f*** do you think is my opinion of it? I think it was put that in. I don't Opinion of his performance? Jesus Christ, he beat us with three home runs. <laughs> what the fuck can you mean? What is my opinion of his performance? How can you ask me a question like that? What is my opinion of his of, of his performance? Jesus Christ, he hit three home runs. Jesus Christ. I'm pissed off to lose a game. And you ask me my opinion of his performance? Jesus Christ. That's a tough question to ask me, isn't it? What is my opinion of his performance? Yes, it is. I ask it, and you gave me an answer. Well, I didn't give you a good answer because I'm mad, but I mean... That wasn't a good question. That's a tough question to ask me right now. What is my opinion of his performance? I mean, you want me to tell you what my opinion of his performance is? You just did. That's right. Jesus Christ. The guy hits three home runs against us. I mean, I don't want to... 
mean to get pissed off or anything like that, but, uh, you know, you ask me my opinion. I mean, he put on a hell of a show. He hit three home runs. He drove in, what, seven runs? Eight. Eight runs. Well, what the hell more can you say about it? I didn't mean to get mad or anything like that, but he asked me my opinion of his, of, of his performance. See you, Joe. <laughs> Tommy Lasorda was asked what he thought of Kingman's performance three home runs against the Dodgers and and he told you and that was that was quite a thing that ranks up there with the Lee Learant and it was 42 years ago today so earlier this week um the sporting world lost a guy who was a real who was a mensch he was a terrific human being a terrific player um somebody who was it was Bob Lanier, St. Bonaventure, Detroit, Milwaukee, and he was he was a he became a Hall of Famer. But he's probably best known because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said his name while grabbing a kid's shirt in the movie Airplane. Wait a minute! I know you. You're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You played basketball for the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm sorry, son, but you must have me confused with someone else. My name is Roger Murdoch. I'm the co-pilot. You are Kareem. I've seen you play. My dad's got season tickets. I think you should go back to your seat now, Joey. Right, Clarence? Oh, he's not bothering anyone. Let him stay here. All right, but just remember, my name is Roger Murdoch. I'm an airline pilot. I think you're the greatest, but my dad says you don't work hard enough on defense. And he says that lots of times you don't even run down court. And that you don't really try, except during the playoffs. The hell I don't. Listen, kid. I've been hearing that crap ever since I was at UCLA. I'm out there busting my buns every night. Tell your old man to drag Walton and Lanier up and down the court for 48 minutes. That's the line. Tell your old man to drag Walton and Lanier up and down the court for 48 minutes. Everybody knows Walton. He's the guy who is being wrangled by the great Jason Benetti on broadcast. But but Bob Lanier was the guy who didn't... He's He, he was a... Prof- Hall of Famer, went to say Bonaventure, suffered knee injuries, played for Detroit, the Pistons, and played for like eight coaches in 10 years in Detroit. I mean, this is, we think Zach Levine has had it bad with the people he's, coaches he's played for. But he played 10 seasons in Detroit, eight coaches, Butch Van Bredekoff, Terry Dissinger, Earl Lloyd, Ray Scott, Herb Brown, Bob Coffin, Dick Vitale, and Richie Adubato. Bob Lanier played for Dick Vitale, and Dick Vitale went screaming back to the college game after that. But I, parents, explain to your kids who Bob Lanier was, why he deserved to be in that sentence with Roger Murdoch and Bill Walton. And there was something else that happened this week as, as movies and life kind of collides on this. The May 11th. May 11th was Henry Hill's last day as a good fella and he was going to be busy all day and he was going to be busy and he was going to be trailed by a helicopter and eventually he would get home and then he would be undone by lois needed i gotta have it it's my lucky hat i never fly without it 
She needed her hat. She had to, they had to go get her hat. Lois needed to go get the hat. And by the time they did, the, the feds were in the driveway. And that was it. May 11th this week. That was his, his Henry Hill's last day as a, uh, <laughs> as a good fellow. Welker White played Lois, by the way. And she played Lois in Goodfellas. And then she would portray Jimmy Hoffa's wife in The Irishman. There you go. She was back to that. That's the same woman? I, I did not know that. It, it is. And when we do, we often, we've done that on this show, Caesar. We've done the, the whole same woman. You won't believe this, but Jimmy Hoffa's wife in The Irishman most recently. So you did see that. I'm still not kidding. Did you see Goodfellas? You're familiar with Goodfellas, Caesar? I never know what you've seen. Oh, that's one of my all-time favorite movies, definitely. Okay. All right. Yeah. So Lois in her hat, and she played Jimmy Hoffa's wife in, um, in The Irishman. But the most notable is Suzanne in Slapshot, which was a pretty randy role. And I'm not going to even begin to go near repeating anything that she described as she and Paul Newman were in bed and anything that Paul Newman said about her later on the ice. But Suzanne would later play the mom in A Christmas Story. Same woman. So that's range. That's the way it would go. Have you seen either of those movies, Caesar? Of course, I've seen. Uh, you 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 uh, talking about classics here? I I would be kind of disappointed in myself if I didn't see some of these movies you're mentioning here. Yeah, well, we have had producers who haven't seen. I don't think Trash Panda has seen either. The, have you seen either of the Godfathers? Which is usually the. Of course, the... of course. Uh, I'm of the opinion that Part Two is the better one. I like Godfather Two better than uh, than the uh, other, the original, or Part Three. Or, right, of course, you're, you're There's this the the sequel matched the impact and matched the the greatness, the Im- immensity of the original. And that's fine. You can do that. Michael's story is certainly one worth telling, and they're both spectacular in their own way. I'm reading Leave the Gun, Take the Cannoli, the book Mark Seal wrote about the making of that movie. Now, Paramount Plus put together a movie on this a series on this called the offer and i haven't seen that i was watch. i'm reading the book i'm not going to watch people acting out i'll just read about the real people who did this and how this thing happened and all the stories that went on and fat clemenza says the line that is the title of that book leave the gun take the cannoli but he had lived the last line the only thing written was leave the gun and in true italian fashion he says, take the cannoli, because his wife was hawking him about take the cannoli. Hey, do you got, do you, I don't know where you live, Caesar. You tell, do you tell people without, do you, do you ever drive down Irving Park? Did you drive down Irving Park to say get to Cubs games when you're going to Wrigley Field? Or well, I, like I grew up on the north side of Humboldt Park, right on Northern California, so I, I spent plenty of time on the, in that area uh, towards, uh, you know, Irving Park and the Portage Park area and all that. I definitely know the area very well. Oh, see, so remember the Orange Garden? Remember the Chop Suey sign, the Orange Garden, the neon sign? Oh, yeah. The re- Chinese restaurant yeah. right there. Right. Well, it's not a, not a restaurant anymore. And the sign was sold. Now, I used to see that all the time driving to 
coming in and getting off at Irving Park and driving to Cubs games that way, driving down Irving Park, and that's why I'd leave too, coming home. So it always, it had a very Cub feel to me. But the restaurant closed, they sold it off, and the, the sign went to Billy Corgan, Smashing Pumpkins, and Cub fan fame. His wife bought it for him as a gift. When she saw it was being auctioned off, she made an offer, and they have a tea shop in, in Highland Park that they had planned to put it there. I don't know if it's there or not. I just know that she won the auction so she could present her husband with the Orange Garden Chop Suey neon sign. If you ever want to visit Madame Zuzu's in Highland Park, see if Billy Corgan put it up, if, it's, if there's a place to put it. So now you know. See? Caught up with that. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will talk NFL. The Bears have a schedule. They have a bye week. And I guess after the... So they have a, a bye week in week 14. So after 13 games, they're going to vote to see whether they want to finish the season. Maybe you, we can help make you some money before then. Steve Rosen from Saturday Suckage. Thanks for listening. Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage on 670, The Score in Odyssey Station. Look at you, Caesar. Playing the coda from Layla. The greatest scenes in, the, the greatest scene in Goodfellas. The <laughs> montage of death that Tanny uses to, <laughs> when someone's out, gone, says goodbye, Chicago sports. By the way, that the, the story behind that song, it's called Time. It was supposedly written by Rita Coolidge. She and her boyfriend drummer Jim Gordon supposedly wrote it. And they played it for Clapton, and he put it on the end of Layla, and Jim Gordon claimed it was his. And Rita, Gor- Rita, <clears throat> never got, Rita Coolidge never got the money for it. She's clawed her way to getting some fame for it. And Jim Gordon eventually would, I think, uh, kill his mother and end up in a, um, an asylum for the rest of his life. So that's, that's a little bit of movie trivia for you. And here's a screw-up. Here's a typical... Saturday suckage screw up. We had Rick Camp on, talked about the three pound cinnamon rolls from Lulu's, not Layla's, Lulu's in San Antonio, and then talked about the 21 ounce chicken fried steak with gravy and fries. And Rick said there are no bad words in that sentence. It's all good. It's all good. More is good. Good is good. Also from Lulu's in San Antonio. We're doing this on May 14th. Lulu's closed on May 2nd. Don't go there. You can't get it. And I'm talking like it's still open and it should be an I'm Fat podcast road trip. But that's the essence of Saturday suckage. We suck so you don't have to. We're going to bring on somebody who doesn't. We're going to bring on Ryan Horvitt of BetMGM Tonight and BetMGM MLB Podcast. He joins us on the SCORE Hotline. Presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook. Ryan, thanks for making time today. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I love a good heartwarming Saturday morning story about an insane asylum. And uh, what did the guy do? He killed his mother? He killed his mom. He went nuts. Yeah. And that's um, so the fact that it was used in all the murders in in Goodfellas in that montage, one of the most f- famous movie yeah. cuts ever, is perfect. It's the, the backstory 
has tremendous, the side story, whatever it is, the sidebar is wonderful. And the more you read about it, it's a wonderful thing. It's all part of our, our lives, our, our, the, especially somehow sports radio and the right good fellows and casino and especially Godfather one, Godfather two, it's all a part of the DNA here. Right. So the more, you know, right. Yeah, that's crazy that I don't know that story because I've read books. Goodfellas is the one movie that I own, but yet every time it's on television, whether it's on, you know, one of the movie channels or just AMC where it's all edited, I still watch it. I'll watch that thing, and it's like four hours on television, and I'll sit through the commercials. Even though I could just put the DVD on, it's like, you know, a foot away from me, and I still end up watching it. One of the all-time greats. But there's still a joy of finding that, and it, and there we've discussed this. Which movies, you know, which movies Goodfella you? Which movies godfather you? I got Shawshanked. I got Slapshotted. So those are mine. Good Godfather 1, 2, Goodfellas, at Shawshank, and Slapshot. Those are mine. Do you have a five that you're going to watch wherever you come in? You're going to finish it? Yeah, there's a couple. I, uh, You know, it's newer, but it's another Scorsese movie. Now, you know, I know it's not for everybody, but The Departed. And it's not great on television because every other word in it is a nest bomb, but... I like that one, even though the accents for some of the guys are bad. You know, Wahlberg's really good in it, which I can't believe I just said that. Uh, Matt Damon's really good in it. <laughs> but I'm, I, I really like The Departed. And then, you know, I don't know what it is. And uh, Goodwill Hunting is another one. Oh, Great okay. Great Sunday movie. And then an underrated one, an underrated one that nobody talks about. Have you ever seen With Honors? It's got Robin Williams in it, uh, Brennan Fraser, and he's the janitor. Is it at Harvard or Princeton? I want to say Harvard. And he's a, he's a genius, and uh, well, I don't want to give away too much if you haven't, but that's a good one. Came out. Well, in it sounds like Goodwill Hunting. It, it, it sounds... You know, it's kind of like the same thing, so I always forget that it even exists. And it came on television the other night, and I watched it. Great movie. We're talking with uh, Ryan Horvat of BetMGM tonight and BetMGM MLB podcast. We're talking movies, but we're going to talk football. We we make a big deal out of it and I used to mock the whole idea of predicting a season when the big schedule release came out. So I had the Bears going 20 and 0 and and I had Jay Cutler being MVP and Mark Cressman being coach of the year and it's just it's ridiculous to do it now <clears throat> from my standpoint. However, you you have investments you might want to make. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe this is amateur week and you stay away from it and let them change or set a market. How do you look at what just happened and what do you do about it and do you have any favorites? Yeah, so it's funny because, you know, we talk with some people and there are some guys that are already betting like week three, week four games that the lines come out or they're already looking ahead. I'll look at some week one lines, but what I really look at here is strength of schedule Like, for example, you're looking at the Green Bay Packers. They play a game in London on October 9th against the Giants. Then they turn around next week, and they don't get a bye week. So, you know, I look at certain teams. Maybe I would fade in that situation with the travel, short rest, stuff like that. But I don't want to bet week three, week four games. In fact, I don't even want to buy tickets for week three, week four games really anymore. Like, imagine if you're a Chiefs or a Packers fan. The last two times you thought you were going to get Mahomes versus Rodgers, the first time Mahomes ends up getting injured, so you get Matt Moore versus Aaron Rodgers. And then this year, you get the whole Aaron Rodgers COVID situation, so you get Patrick Mahomes against Jordan Love. And I wanted—I was looking at tickets for that game because I was in town, and there were tickets for like 450 500 bucks, and those were the worst seats available for that. So I don't look too far ahead just because in the NFL, there's so many injuries. 
now we, I mean, you know, we're still dealing with COVID, so you never know what's going to happen. So I don't like to look too far ahead. What I do look at is season win totals. Uh, for example, I played a couple, like the Tennessee Titans, their win total when it was released, and it's still sitting there actually right now is nine and a half. And they trade away A.J. Brown, who I think is one of the better receivers in the league. They bring in Robert Woods, but he's coming off a torn ACL. He's, you know, he was injured. He wasn't able to play the second half of the season for the Rams. Now he's moved. And Ryan Tannehill uh, has come out and said he doesn't want to be the mentor for, for Malik there. So <laughs> there's already a crazy situation. And also, like I like Mike Vrabel, but I don't know how good of a coach he is because he keeps you know, wetting the bed in these big situations like he did in that playoff game against the Bengals. And Ryan Tannehill, you know, I've never really fully bought into Ryan Tannehill. Derrick Henry is great, but how many more seasons can you give that guy 30-plus carries per game? You know, he's starting to break down a little bit. So I took, you know, the under nine-and-a-half wins. I went over on the Bears, actually. I think they win eight games. What I usually do in the NFC North, and it's a little tough to do this year, is, you know, I've been talking about this. I usually take the first-year head coach, and I just pick that team to win the North. We saw it with Nagy his first year where the Bears, uh, you know, obviously the double-doink year. And then Matt LaFleur, when he takes over in Green Bay, the only problem is I can't do that with the Bears because Minnesota has a new head coach who I like a little bit more, and I like the roster a little bit more. You know, I know Kirk Cousins, he never performs on the big stage, but still, like Justin Jefferson, Delvin Cook, if those guys could stay healthy. I actually think the problem in Minnesota the last couple of years was Mike Zimmer. I think they completely quit on him last year. So I think the Vikings are the sneaky team. And you're getting better than 2-1 to one odds right now on them to win the NFC North. So I like them, but I do like the Bears to be more competitive this year. I mean, they won some games last year that they had no business winning. And I think, I don't know if the roster is much better. Roster is probably worse, obviously, without Allen Robinson and Cleo Mack. But I don't know. I believe in Justin Fields, and I think they could at least be competitive this year. So I did go over on their win total. The NFC North is going to be watered down this year. I, I worry a little bit about Green Bay. You know, losing Devontae Adams, you could say he's only a wide receiver, but they didn't bring in anybody to replace him. They bring in Sammy Watkins, who can't play on the outside. He's a slot receiver. He hasn't played a full a full game, uh, full season, I should say, since 2014, his rookie year. He's always hurt. Randall Cobb is 31 years old. He's another slot receiver. I think as of right now, their number one wide receiver is Alan Lazard and then the kid that they drafted out of North Dakota State, Christian Watson. So Green Bay still minus 185 to win the division. I think this is the year that somebody could sneak up and, and take them. Our guest is Ryan Horvath of BetMGM Tonight and the BetMGM MLB podcast. We're talking lines and schedule release uh, for the NFL on the score here. I got um, a, a look at some – one of the things that happens – when we have released the schedule is you're going to immediately get week one lines and you're yeah. gonna, and, and you see the, the bears are at home minus six and a half against San Francisco. And because it's local, I have no idea if you'd want to bet it or not. Would you want to bet it? That one? See, that's actually a stay away for me just because as of right now, now I probably will end up betting the game. And if anything, I would actually probably take the points with the Bears. I know that's a scary situation because, you know, the, the Niners just are coming off an NFC, another NFC title game appearance. They beat Green Bay in Lambeau Field. But we think Trey Lance is going to be the starting quarterback. I mean, we know Trey Lance is going to be the starting quarterback, but they haven't even moved Jimmy Garoppolo yet. And the reason being, I think teams, I think there's a couple teams that might have interest in Jimmy Garoppolo, but everybody's worried about his shoulder right now. I don't know how good Trey Lance is. We saw him a couple times last year. I do, I do like Kyle Shanahan. I think we overrate Kyle Shanahan a little bit. I think he's a great offensive mind. But uh, 
I, I think if anything, I would take the points with the Bears right now. But I want to wait. I want to see what Fields looks like a little bit in the preseason. I want to see what Lance looks like, obviously. So the only uh, week one bet, actually, that I've placed so far is um, I took the points with the Jacksonville Jags, actually. They were three-and-a-half-point dogs. Trevor Lawrence looks really good week 18. The Colts, and, and it wasn't like, you know, he, he beat up on the Jets or anything like that. He looked really good against the Colts, who I actually like this year a lot, even with Matt Ryan as their starting quarterback. They're really tough defensively. Darius Leonard's great. And the Colts had to win to get in week 18, and the Jags beat him. And that was Trevor Lawrence's best game. And I think it was because, you know, Urban Meyer was gone a couple weeks, and now he has a real coaching staff there. They're playing uh, – the Washington Commanders. And I'll tell you, man, I do not believe in Carson Wentz. Going back to the Colts, he lost to the Jags. So I actually really like the Jags with the three and a half. Um, it's funny, you know, you have actually, there's lines, there's numbers for every single game. I was looking at the Bears' entire schedule, like week two, for example. If you look at the strength of schedule, they actually have a pretty easy schedule. Like if you look at the rankings, the Giants, I don't know how good they're going to be, but they play the easiest schedule this year. You have the Eagles right behind them, then the Commanders, the Lions, and then the Bears. You know, if you look at the numbers, they actually play the fifth easiest schedule in the NFL, and they're still only predicted to win six and a half games. So that's why I had to take the over. I did pay a little bit of juice over at uh, BetMGM minus 120. They're plus 300 to make the playoffs. But I was looking ahead at the Lions, and I find it a little funny that they're already 10-point underdogs uh, at Green Bay. And I know it's Green Bay, and Aaron Rodgers always covers against the Bears. But again, I don't even know. And Green Bay improved a little bit defensively in the draft taking the two kids from Georgia, but without Devontae Adams, I don't know how good they're going to be. So there's one if you're looking ahead, maybe you could grab the points early, even though you know, you're taking the Bears against Aaron Rodgers on the road, which is always scary. Yes, that's not been a happy thing. <laughs> not probably not. Yeah. Happy, happy result. We're talking with Ryan Orvid of BetMGM. We're, uh, we're talking NFL. But I wonder, I, I know some people believe in the trend is your friend, betting the trend. I don't know if it applies if you believe it, and would you apply it to a sport where this was, where, where in the NHL, we have three game sevens today and two game sevens tomorrow. One of the game sevens involves the Maple Leafs against the two-time defending Lightning. The Lightning yep. are traveling Toronto, and in the I want to say since 2018, the Leafs are 0-9 in elimination games since 2018, and that includes an elimination game they did not win against Tampa Bay to force game seven. Is that a trend you would look at? Do you stay away from the NHL? It's just too, because Stanley Cup playoffs are just too crazy. How would you look at something like that? So, no, that's, and that's a great question. Um, I do actually look at some of these trends, especially with a team like Tampa Bay and how dominant they've been. You know, they've won the last two Stanley Cups, like you just said, and now they're in this game seven situation against Toronto, who always chokes. You know, it's kind of like obviously become a big joke. I'm rooting for Toronto. I actually am in this game, but I would have to probably take Tampa Bay. I did take the under. I really like unders in game seven. Same thing in the NBA. You know, in the NBA, we see these games. It becomes a half-court game. There's a lot of nerves, and it becomes a rock fight. So I actually bet both unders in the NBA tomorrow. And I took uh, the under in this first NHL game today. And and, uh, I'm looking at this Tampa Bay game. I don't know what I want to do with the total there. But there are trends I look at. Like, for example, the Lightning in the playoffs and the, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, the last couple of years, after every game that they've lost, they win the next game. They're 18-0, and now 19-0 and after the last one, 19-0 uh, and after a loss in the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is a trend I just continue to follow, and it's been 19 straight winners. Now they're coming off a victory because they had to force the game seven. 
I think I'd probably have to continue to back them just because they've won the last two cups. But that's a trend that I really like in these game sevens. I just feel like there's a lot of nerves, even in the NHL. Now, the NBA is a lot different, you know, because teams actually defend in the playoffs. That's the joke, and it becomes a half-court game. But especially if you get two hot goalies. But the overs have been hitting at a ridiculous rate in hockey. And even I bet a couple unders, like, where you're feeling good, and you go to the you go you know you go into that final period and you have two goals to spare and all of a sudden they'll pull the goalie you know in these close games or if a team's down and then you get these empty net goals and you're like man why did I bet an under what is wrong with me but uh, I do like unders in these game seven situations we see more defense I feel no matter what the sport is so I like both unders tomorrow and I also I'll tell you this I know a lot of people it's going to be very tempting because the Bucks are the defending champs and they're five and a half point underdogs right now tomorrow. I, I like Boston. I played Boston to win the series. I think just I think Jason Tatum's playing at another level right now. I do really like Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart, you never know what you're going to get. He's a great defender, but is he the defensive player of the year? I don't know. He's always flopping all over the place. Like he got himself injured in game one because he's fallen all over the place. And, and the other thing that they do is they never get back on defense because they just sit there and argue every call. All that being said, I know it's going to be tempting, but I think they take Milwaukee out, actually, unless miraculously – Chris Middleton's able to play in that game. So I actually really like Boston in the under tomorrow uh, in the NBA. I never thought of the unders that way, but that's an interesting way to look at it. And Ryan, I want to say you fit in great on Saturday suckage as textures note that the movie with honors is Joe Pesci, not Robin Williams. Oh my God. It is Joe Pesci. See, yeah, See, I was and good. He's... I just goodwill. I goodwill hunting myself. Yeah. Pretty much the same thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for fitting in. Thanks for sucking so we don't have to. And a 309 texter wants me to change that tagline because he's turned his girlfriend onto the show, and now she's been using that on him. So there you go. We just continue to we grow fans everywhere. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Hey, my apologies to Joe Pesci. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks for joining Saturday Suckage. That's Ryan Horvitt, uh, BetMGM, the BetMGM Tonight and BetMGM MLB podcast. We'll take a break and we'll catch up with Trash Panda, our Trash Panda, because there was a major Trash Panda story that came down at a sporting event. And this was an act of, well, we'll let our Trash Panda describe it. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage. I suck so you don't have to. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.